This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Friday Drive, you are listening to WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where for the most part, the Carolina Panthers are done adding to their roster. Every team at this point has picked through free agency, the draft is well behind us, and we're weeks into the off-season program. However, Panthers GM Scott Fitterer has earned the reputation for being in on every deal. That was the reputation of that Seattle Seahawks brain trust he was a part of prior to arriving in Charlotte. And if that's really true, there's one obvious deal. There's one obvious player he needs to pursue, and that's Vikings edge rusher Daniil Hunter. The timing is now because it would appear he's on the trading block. And the Vikings, they're not so casually not so quietly stripping down their roster, perhaps playing for the Caleb Williams-Drake May sweepstakes for for, for a year from now. They traded Zedaria Smith a few weeks back. Rather than wanting to pay him, they, just yesterday we learned, informed Dalvin Cook he was going to be released, and then that headline came down today with statements from the Vikings. And there are whispers. Daniil Hunter wants a new contract. He's 28. He's one of the best edge rushers in the sport. He wants a new deal. It doesn't seem like the Vikings want to give him that new deal. So trade rumors are circling Minnesota. Here is uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport on those rumors. Yeah, somewhat murky future for Daniil Hunter in Minnesota. Here's my understanding of where it stands. Sources say that teams have been calling the Minnesota Vikings regarding Daniil Hunter. He has, in fact, generated some trade interest. The Vikings and Hunter have not yet been able to strike a long-term deal to compensate him at a level he wants. And when there are rumors about a player not getting the contract he wants, usually there are teams that call. My understanding is the interest is is pretty serious. You're in on every deal, Scott. Teams are calling. Let's hope you're one of those teams. Because the Panthers, they check two boxes. They have the need and they have the means. When you look at what they needed to do this offseason, the number one thing they needed to resolve was quarterback. They traded up to the number one pick. They got their quarterback in Bryce Young. We'll see if it pans out, but they did take a swing to try and solve that issue. In doing so, they created a hole at wide receiver. Then they resolved that. Hello, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. Hello, Hayden Hurst. Hello, Jonathan Mingo. When you look at holes on this roster there is no greater hole than the secondary edge rusher lining up across from Brian Burns Etor Grossmatos he is a bust frankly he just wasn't the player Carolina thought they were getting when they picked him with their first second round pick in 2020 Marquise Haynes I like him he has his moments he can't be your second best rusher if you plan to be one of the top defenses in the NFL Daniil Hunter is, if you're putting together a list of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL, Brian Burns is on that list, and Daniil Hunter is on that list. If you can get him a premium player at a premium position, you go out and you do that. Because 
They have salary cap space. The Vikings might not want to give them an extension, a pricey extension, but the Panthers can because they shed all that salary, trading away Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore in the last 12 months. Because they did those things, they can afford Daniil Hunter. And since they have a quarterback on a rookie contract, they can afford Daniil Hunter. Now, the big issue is going to be compensation. Fortunately, though, everybody kind of sees what the Vikings are doing. They're stripping down their roster. They don't want to pay Daniil Hunter. So it's not going to cost you a first-round pick. Zadarius Smith, the price for him was two day three picks in order to get him out of Minnesota. Now, Hunter's better than Zadarius Smith, but I don't think it's going to cost you a first or maybe even a second-round pick. You might be looking at two or three third and fourth round picks. That's what you're looking at. And if it's a second round pick and one mid round pick, okay, you can maybe deal with that. That'll be hard to swallow given all you gave up in order to get the number one pick. Carolina is short on draft picks. There's no question about it. I don't know if a team will give Minnesota a better draft package than Carolina will, a better trade package with draft picks. Probably some of those teams will be able to one-up Carolina, but this is something you definitely should pursue. If you can bring him in, that would be a game changer. And it would change Carolina from being a team that very well could win the NFC South in Frank Reich and Bryce Young's first year since the division is so down to a team that should win the NFC South. That's why you should pursue Daniil Hunter. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on today's show, that's where we're streaming video, in addition to YouTube and on Twitch, Will Dalton the executive producer of the show, WD, for those who are watching our stream, why is it that you have a Thai Applebee's t-shirt on and I myself am wearing a Deacon Dega t-shirt? Well, the legend, he's coming. He's joining the show at 5.30. Steve Forbes, going to be our guest. If you can't listen to him at 5.30, find it on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, and also on our YouTube channel, you can find that conversation. Speaking of basketball, Game 4 of the NBA Finals is tonight in South Florida. It's the Heat's last stand. And just like the Florida Panthers, just like they got their must-have game last night in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's right down the road from where the Heat play, Miami is going to tie the Finals tonight. They're going to even up the series because Miami knows it's a must win. If they lose tonight, the series is over in five, and they know it. The Heat, though, have been really good in elimination games. You're talking about Eric Spolstra here. You're talking about Jimmy Butler. Guys who have been around, been to multiple finals now, Bam Adebayo and otherwise. Like, Think about how much toughness was shown when they blew a three-games-to-nothing lead against Boston and... Still were able in Boston, Boston to win game seven in a blowout. Boston. That team's not going down easy. And here's the other thing I've learned in my several years covering sports. You can't fake urgency. So for the those who say that, oh, it's the finals, the Denver Nuggets, they're going to have the same effort level that the Miami Heat do. I don't think they will. Because they know that they've already split the games in Miami to get home court back. Miami knows that they absolutely positively need to view this like Game 7, and they have to win the night. It's a series. And the players understand that. 
And on their home rims, you should expect Miami to shoot the ball a lot better from three. You should expect those threes to fall. It's a math equation. Miami, they shot nearly 50% from three in game two. In game three, they shot 31%. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent combined two for 10 from three. You think that's going to happen again on their home floor? No. Does that mean they're going to shoot 50%? They could. Probably going to be somewhere in the middle. It's going to be a little bit over 40% from three. And guess what? The, given how many threes they attempt, that's probably going to be enough to win the basketball game tonight. Unless you have, for the second consecutive game, speaking about odds of things happening multiple times in a row, unless Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both go for 30-point triple-doubles again, something that had never happened in NBA history before game three. I venture to say that's not going to happen. And here's another thing that we haven't had in this series yet. It's kind of surprising. We've been to three games and we haven't had it. We still haven't had the Jimmy Butler takeover game. We haven't seen it. Jimmy Butler, he was okay in game three. Hasn't been awesome in this series to this point. But I think tonight's going to be in what could be Miami's last home game of the year, unless they win. It's going to be the Jimmy Butler game that he exceeds 30 points. I think that's going to happen tonight. He's going to exceed 30 points, something that he did four out of the five games in the Milwaukee series. I think he also had like a 55, 56-point game in that Milwaukee series. He did it a couple times against Boston in that Eastern Conference Final. Jimmy Butler did. Boston. And we haven't seen it in these finals so far. But really, that's a lot of words saying why Miami's going to win tonight when I could have just boiled it down a lot more simple than that. Scott Scott Foster is uh, officiating tonight's game. Oh, boy. The extender is on the whistle. So give me the heat and give me a 2-2 series tie going into Monday night, game five. Remember, they have a travel day. So game five is going to be on Monday night. As we mentioned a short while ago, Steve Forbes, he's going to be our guest at 530 if you missed Will Pelagic early, you, earlier, you can find that on our Best of Podcast and all those channels that we mentioned earlier. It's a huge weekend. If you're going out to the Wake Forest Baseball Stadium, the couch, the Deeks playing Alabama in the Supers that start tomorrow at high noon, feel free to drop by and say hello. We'd love to see you. WD and I will be out at the ballpark, and I don't think it's going to be a long series. I don't think we're talking about this being a three-game series, I think Wake Forest, the number one team in the country, is going to take care of their business. Let's get the show going! It's The Drive with Josh Graham. Even though the only horse race you might care about is the Kentucky Derby, There are three legs of the Triple Crown. And prior to each leg of the Triple Crown, we play the Triad's fastest-growing game show. Horse or Rock Band. And during the first two legs of the Triple Crown, WD has run through all the questions that I put to him. The first one, the first time we did this, he was a perfect seven for seven. The second time we did it, before the Preakness stakes, he was five for seven. He's trying to go for the Triple Crown. That's right. 
He's trying to go three for three with the Belmont Stakes mm-hmm. starting tomorrow. But I don't think you're going to. I really put in the effort last night to come up with seven names here of actual bands and actual horses competing in the Belmont Stakes tomorrow. And I don't think you're going to get four out of seven. See, this just goes to show how bad you want to stump me on this. Because last year, I think we only did this for the Kentucky Derby. We didn't do this three times last year. So, I wish you luck. No, I'm pretty sure we did, but you just don't remember. I don't think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. Now, that's spilled milk. It's not fry over spilled milk. Yeah, let's (laughs) get into this now. Are you ready to go? Roll it. Pretty simple rules. I'm going to say a name, and you're going to tell me if it's a horse participating in tomorrow's Belmont Stakes or an actual band, most of these being indie bands. First name, WD. Hit show. Hmm. Hit show. Horse or band. See, the tricky thing about you is I feel like you would get something to make it sound like it might be a rock band with the show on the end of it when it's actually a horse. So you you try to be tricky. So I'm just going to... I'm going to go horse here. 20 to 1 odds, post 7. Hit show is a horse. I'm on to you. Next name. Storm Shadow. Mmm, see, this one sounds like a horse. Um He could be trying to he could be trying to stump me on this one though. This might be the reverse. It sounds like a horse, but it's a band. But you know what? I think it's a horse. Storm Shadow. Band. This is going to be a photo finish. <sighs> Always go with your gut. Third name. Magic Touch. Oh. I thought you, band. I thought you were about to say Magic Mike. This would be the type of song that plays in Magic it Mike. It would. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even plan that. Magic Touch. You this, got one right, you got one wrong. Yeah. This um, this sounds like it is a band. Does that mean you're going to say it's a band? It's a band. Magic Touch is a band. You're halfway home. You just need to get the four in order to complete the Triple Crown, WD. Your fourth name, Dent May. Dent May. Two words, dent and may. Hmm. Horse or band? This one's interesting. This one doesn't sound like a band or a horse. Dent may. But this does sound like some wacky band name that somebody from Florida might come up with. I have no idea what a Florida group sounds like sounds like a Florida band 
Yeah. I'm trying to think of fam- famous acts from Florida. Is Flo Rida from Florida? Yeah. Okay. Tom Petty's from Gainesville. DJ I know Khaled. that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one. Another one. And you know what? This is going to be another band. Dent May is a band. You just got to get one more. I am crushing this this year. You really are. Yeah. Next name. This is it, WD. If you get this right, you win. Cloud Boat. Oh, I like that. That's a good name. Cloud Boat. Horser Band. This does sound like a horse. Um, And I bet you he's got good odds, too. J.C. Horn. This is a horse. For the win. This is a horse. Cloud Boat's a band. Oh. And so we play on. You just got to get one of the last two right here, WD. We're keeping it interesting. It's all, it's all you got to do. Rights Wild. Spelled R-I-T-E-S. Rights Wild. There's, horse or band? There is no doubt in my mind that that is, in fact, a horse. Rights Wild? Rights Wild is a horse. Rights Wild for the win. Is a band. Ho, ho, ho! Are we tied? We are. Like the Heat and Nuggets will be tonight? We are. See, I know how you think, WD. You do, do you? Oh, I do. See, this is the thing I think I figured out about you. You're probably doing the map in your head. Well, surely Josh wouldn't give me this many horses in a row or this many bands in a row. So that way, you know, I've already got five bands in a row, I think, I'm just giving you. Am I crazy enough to give you six? I don't know. The wild part sounds like a horse. Red Route One. (laughs) Red Rider. Is the last name. Is Red Route One a horse or a band? This is the end. This is for the win or the loss. Do or die. Game seven. Game seven. Horse or rock band. Red (laughs) Route One. One. Ah. See, and for clarity, one is spelled out. Got. Uh, yeah. Red route one. See. Ah. I. Mm. You know what? I should just go with my gut here. I shouldn't worry about any games you potentially tried to play. I think worry. I, ex- I could see you. You're playing. You're worrying about these games, and that's even why you're in the you game just seven. Expose that you're playing games here and trying to do things in a certain order. No. This sounds like. Give it to me one more time. Red Route One. This sounds like a horse. I don't care what it sounds like. That's the point of the game. It could be either. What are you saying it is? I'm saying this is a horse. Final answer? Final answer. For the win, Red Route 1 is a horse. 
18 to 1 odds. Post for WD has completed the triple crown. Put the crown on my head. I don't think they actually do that. Do, they, do we have a crown? I don't think they actually do that to the horse that wins the triple crown. I could be wrong. They should. Oh, wow. Did they do that for baseball players that fit for the triple crown? I don't think so. <laughs> Congratulations. Should. That's been Horse or Rock Band. Shout out to Duke Baseball, by the way. You know, Duke, they got it done. Defense. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. I just love that part. <laughs> that needs to be a drop. That, anytime Duke is talked about, I don't care what sport it is. Just Coach K letting the people know what's up. Defense. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. Come on. I was in that. I was in the front row of that press conference. Oh, I'm sure. Trying not to laugh when he got <laughs> mad at a Jeff Capel chant. Come sit with us, Jeff Capel. And that's not what Coach K heard from across the floor. Started yelling at the camera. Let's crazy. go, Duke. Come on. Yeah. Duke baseball. One went away from the College World Series. And it was a thriller. <laughs> Last out with two runners on, only up one. A line drive to the fence and left center field grabbed at the fence one went away but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the job's done for sure even though you only have one more to win just ask my east carolina pirates i'm here to tell you that you, it's hard getting that second one sometimes coming up how wake forest should give alabama a taste of their own medicine in a way i'm sure cam newton would approve of the drive with josh graham only on wsjs It's amazing how much college sports have changed in the last dozen years or so. The Big Ten just released their conference schedules for 2024 and 2025 in football. Try going back in time or imagine going back in time and explaining to a Maryland fan who's still rooting for their team in the ACC that, oh, in 2024, you're going to be playing a conference game at home in the Big Ten against USC. Which brings us to NIL cases, too. If we went back in time, given now that we know about NIL and have it, it makes the Terrell Pryor and Maurice Claret cases look all that insignificant and brings us to this song as it relates to Cam Newton. This is the song that played when Cam Newton took the field in the 2010 Iron Bowl, along with... Dusty Springfield's Son of a Preacher Man. Why did that play? Well, because there was a scandal at the time, WD, where Cecil Newton, who was a preacher, apparently, reportedly, God forbid, took some money that helped convince Cam, who was in Juco, to go to Auburn after... Things didn't work out with the laptop situation and such. His first year of college football at the University of Florida. This is a nothing burger nowadays. But a dozen years ago, this was a huge story. And the PA guy or whoever put together the playlist for pregame warm-ups at Bryant-Denny Stadium, this guy got fired for playing 
son of a preacher man, back to back with take the money and run, clearly a shot at Cam Newton. You're the son of a preacher man, take the money and run. This was seen to be a huge jab. So I'm thinking, since Cam Newton's beloved in these parts in the state of North Carolina, and Alabama is coming to Winston-Salem to face Wake Forest this weekend for a Super Regional, how about... I know a lot of folks over there at Wake Forest listen to this show. How about we give Alabama a taste of their own medicine? A taste of their own medicine that Cam Newton would approve of. It's not like we don't have ammunition. Like, their coach got fired a month ago for leaking information to a gambler, allegedly. He got fired. So, WD... You have to have in your computer over there a deep catalog of songs we could potentially use to throw. Like, imagine if this song played out at the couch as Alabama took the field tomorrow. You got to know when to hold up. <laughs> know when to hold up. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting I'm just trying to imagine you're at the ballpark and that's playing. You hear old Kenny Rogers when the when the team takes the field. Oh, that'd be outstanding. I'm sure the NCAA would have problems with it because it's supposed to be a neutral site, even though it's Wake Forest at home. They don't even let the players have their own walk-up songs. So stupid. But if we were going to have a secondary choice, what might you go with, WD? You know, I'm a fan of karaoke. It feels like karaoke. We're taking requests here. On the triad source for gambling-related hits, it's WSJS. Well? 336-777-1600. What would be a great gambling-related song that we can play as Alabama takes the field? Just to give them a taste of their own medicine. Again, these are not... They, they did it to Cam Newton. They did it to Auburn a dozen years ago. Why not? Oh, you have another one that we can play here? <laughs> Luck be a lady tonight. Outstanding. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck. If you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady. The players wouldn't even know what to do. I'd be jamming. You would? I love Frank Sinatra. So you wouldn't even get the joke. You'd go out there, start doing in and out in the infield, not knowing what Wake Forest is doing, making fun of you. No, your former no, no, coach. no. Uh, poker face. You got to know when to fall. Uh, yeah, I'd know. It's hard to get better than the gambler. You can't <laughs> do you can't do better than the gambler. It still makes me laugh visually, 
Like, just pull it up again. Like, again, like the team's about to come out for warm-ups and this starts to play. Learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold Because what do you think they're used to hearing? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Yeah, the same songs you've heard all along. And now it's Kenny Rogers. We're getting started hot. (laughs) Come on, Wake. Do it. I would know something was up when that played. Wake Forest, do it. Come on, PA. Make it happen. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. All right, you're right. Let's move this thing along. How about the Florida Panthers last night? They, they're still a team of destiny to me. I'm standing by, even though they lost the first two games, my pick that they're going to win this series. Like, think about what's happened to them. Like, they've won 13 games now. They've won 13 games in these playoffs. Seven of them have been in overtime. <laughs> Seven. And that doesn't even count the fact that they beat Carolina in the last five seconds of game four. So all their games, all their wins have been crazy, but they were they needed an empty net goal to tie up Boston in that game seven on the road in Beantown, in Boston. Boston. And they they won that in overtime. Who scored the goal last night? Mr. Kachuk. Same guy who had the OT winners in games one and two and the winner in game four against the Hurricanes. Florida, this was their first ever Stanley Cup win. They didn't win in the final in 96 with the Rat Pack against Colorado. So the first shot of OT, the guy who hit the guy who hit the shot, scored the goal. He was the same guy who hit the OT winner against Boston in that game seven. Boston now 7-0 and in overtime. What a game that was last night. This is a question I've been wanting to ask Will Pelagic for the last week now. Or really since... The headline dropped just a few days ago, I should say. How does Lionel Messi's signing affect Charlotte FC? Specifically Charlotte. We'll discuss that with the voice of Charlotte FC. We'll pull logic next. Hey, Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at 6 for the Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Listen to Charlotte FC Soccer on WSJS as Seattle comes to town tomorrow. It's been a hot minute since Charlotte FC's been at home. Will Pelagic, Jess Charman on the call on WSJS. Willie P joining us now on WSJS. Now let's get to the big story of the week in soccer. Leo Messi set to join Inter Miami You could make an argument this is the most significant headline in the history of MLS since it started in the mid-1990s. In what ways do you see a signing like this affecting MLS and in turn positively affecting a franchise like Charlotte? The only uh, other, I think, headline that would have maybe been on this level would have been David Beckham coming in 2007. And the only reason why uh, that one might be greater because that was kind of the first major player to make uh, a westward move uh, from, 
Europe to Major League Soccer. This one, obviously, uh, I think Messi is probably in a better form and, and much better scenario worldwide than Beckham is. But I think people are wondering how much he's got left in the tank. But still, whether or not he has anything or nothing left, it's going to be very interesting to see the response when he ends up playing his first contest, whether it's in late July or in August, because Josh, you think about a guy who plays a central attacking midfield role. He's coming off of a world championship, his first of his career, and also uh, not a bad season for PSG, even though they didn't necessarily have a good international season. They still had a pretty good year in their league. He's a guy who still can create off the ball. The way that he's evaluated won't be the way that a lot of typical stars who come here evaluated. He's not what I would call, you know, a dynamic goal scorer from the standpoint of he's going to put up 30 or 35 goals, but he is going to create opportunities. He can score off the dead ball. He can score also on the break, but he's going to also be a facilitator and a passer. So he'll get assists, he'll get goals, and he'll make some highlight moments happen if he's in fact the messy that we all know and love right now. I'm glad you bring up the David Beckham um, touch point because the reason I'd say it's bigger is for the reason that you just described. Like David Beckham, with all due respect, he wasn't a ever considered to be the greatest player in the sport. No. And Leo Messi might be the greatest ever. And to those who are saying, oh, you're just getting him after his prime and what? He won the World Cup six months ago, six, seven months ago, and was awesome in that World mm -hmm. Cup final. So I don't want to hear that either. And I, I guess when you, I was at David Beckham's first exhibition with LA Galaxy in D, at DC United. And I remember mm -hmm. the vibe of that at the time. At that point, there were only 13 teams in MLS, though. We're about to see 30 in MLS just in the next few years. How much different do you believe the American soccer landscape is today versus when David Beckham signed in 2007? Well, I think, again, the only reason contextually I look at the, the Beckham one as being significant is because David Beckham is the reason why we had designated players in Major League Soccer. So I think you you, you need one to beget the other. Sure. So from that aspect, that, that's part of the reason why I would still put the Beckham signing. It has nothing necessarily to do about the players, but how it revolutionized the way roster construction now happens in this league. I think the game has been furthered uh, a lot since uh, 2007. I think a couple of World Cups uh, since and, and some – uh, obviously, you know, up and down success from the United States in that aspect has also made things a little bit different. But I think the league, too, is in a much different spot than it was uh, those 15 years ago because you have a lot more uprising talent. You've got guys from South America who have points to prove, people from Europe who have also come across as well and done very good things in this league and done so, you know, before they even get to the age of 30. So I think that part of it is much different. And I also think it's got a lot better reputation worldwide than it did in 2007. The The term retirement league was always kind of that thing that MLS has tried to shake. Uh, I know that a player of Messi's caliber coming over on the other side of 30 might not do well to uh, shake that moniker, but I do feel like Messi is still enough in his prime to at least turn some heads. And I think part of the thing and the gamble that MLS is making is that it's also going to cause a lot of people subscribing to Apple TV plus because yes. uh, the reported rumors about that deal mean that he's at least going to get a cut. He being messy of the subscription numbers that come in once he starts play. So from that aspect, it certainly is something you look at and say people are going to want to see. And I think if you look at the resale value around the game in Charlotte on October the 21st, you know that, uh, 
they're not alone in terms of that. Willie P. Style on Twitter. It's Will Pelagic joining us. Listen to Charlotte FC face Seattle tomorrow on WSJS. Get into the Panthers. As Scott Fitterer explores ways to tune up and make some adjustments to this roster during the summer, perhaps upgrade in some ways with a trade here and there. Maybe you can pick up some of the scraps and free agency. What position at this point do you think is at the top of his wish list? It's the edge rusher on the opposite side of Brian Burns, Josh. I, I agree. Think it's something we've we've kind of looked at uh, on the air at FNZ. We've we've talked about it a lot over the course of the last week because you know with the signing of Leonard Floyd in Buffalo and Frank Clark in Denver, uh, Daniil Hunter being on the trade block from Minnesota. There's a lot of avenues that Panthers fans want to see Carolina go in with still having the second most cap room of anybody in the National Football League. It's just a matter of, you know, what move you want to make. Do you want to sacrifice any more draft capital than you already have in a scenario that you obviously know uh, they're already dealing with from uh, – from not necessarily from surplus. So I do feel like that is the the spot right now you look at and say probably needs the most uh, reinforcements. I would corner secondary potentials because even though I think with J.C. Horn's injury, I don't think he's necessarily going to be out for any particular period of time that's significant. I think it's, again, maybe a little bit of time during the summer and he'll probably work his way back slowly when they get down to Wofford. But at least in my view, even with J.C. Horn, that is a spot where I feel like they could still use another guy, another body, because once you saw the injuries to Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn play out a year ago, they were very much less than whole at the corner position. C.J. Henderson was banged up last year too, but you mentioned Daniel Hunter. We were talking about that earlier. I think you absolutely should pursue that, but you mentioned the draft capital piece of this. Zadarius Smith was shipped off for couple of late round picks. I don't think that's going to work uh, for a guy of Daniil Hunter's caliber, even though he is looking for a contract that I don't think Minnesota is trying to give him. Like, where, where does your head go immediately, just top of your head, when you think of what it might cost in order to bring in Daniil Hunter? I think it's a day two pick at least. Um, maybe you could piece a couple together if you're thinking about stuff uh, in future drafts, but it also depends on how much you wanted Rob Peter to pay Paul. The thing about the Neil Hunter is there's only one year left on his deal. So from that aspect, it's not like you're necessarily you're paying a pretty penny for a guy that has uh, got a lot of time left on his deal. I want to have some reassurances on whether or not they can re-sign a guy of that nature. I'm not paying a mid-round draft pick for a rental. Uh, that very much feels like an NBA-ish type deal where it's like you're involving expiring contracts. Uh, I want to have a little bit more security if I'm giving up a, a a day two draft pick. And getting a player, again, of some repute, I'm not trying to knock down what, what Daniel Hunter is, and, and I don't think that he uh, would hurt the ball club by any means, but you also got to think about your future as well if you're Carolina. Last thing for Will Pelagic joining us. Tomorrow, Brandon Miller's reportedly going to be in town for his uh, private workout with the Charlotte Hornets. How strongly do you think that workout is going to weigh for Mitch Kupchak and the decision he makes at the number two pick. I don't know if there's anything these either of these guys between Miller or Scoot can do on the floor that will have the biggest impact. The, the biggest impact is going to be how he deals with himself in the room. Uh, the reports are, at least initially, that Miller is not interviewed the best in front of NBA executives. Uh, there's been a lot of lawyer speak and a lot of, uh, I think, 
paper being put out there instead of actual words from Brendan Miller. And again, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I'm just going off of what the reports have said. So I think the most important part about this interview, I know that apparently he'll be there Saturday and I think Scoot Henderson will be in town on Sunday as well, per reports. Uh, it'll come down to how well uh, Brandon Miller interviews and it also will come down to whether or not they feel like a dynamic backcourt is able to compensate for the fact that Charlotte does not necessarily have what they would consider a big, strong wing presence. I think it's dynamic backcourt of Scoot Henderson and Lamella Ball is the way to go, but we'll see how Mitch Kupchak and friends deal with that question and quandary here over the next 13 days. Wopalogic, have a great call in Charlotte tomorrow night. Charlotte facing Seattle. Thanks for the time as always. Fun day, and uh, I'm hoping. Did, did we get a good uh, Independence Day review from WD? Is, is that... Uh... Is that a thing? I did. I did really like it. Welcome to Earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like That's it. what I call a close encounter. On the drive with Josh I know none of you guys want to look ahead to Monday because the weekend's here. What are you talking about, Graham? But we've got a special show on Monday because Darren Vaught is going to be hanging out in studio with us to recap Super Regionals. Who knows? Maybe Wake might have a Super Regional Game 3 that night, although I'm not really counting on that. And we've also got not one, not two, not three, but four pairs of Nickelback tickets. Look at this photograph! Oh, yeah. This is... These are the shows we were born to give tickets away for. Look at this photograph. Make sure you are locked in on Monday. That's going to be a really special show. To recap this week in the most efficient way possible, let's keep it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. And if you're new to the proceedings, this is how it works. WD's going to throw some topic at me, and I have to sum it up in five words or less because as is bound to happen when you are a talk radio host, you can be a bit long-winded. You can gas bag. You can go a little bit too long. So this keeps it succinct, keeps it tight. We cover what happens during the week. But before we do that, since it's Friday, we're opening up the club here for people to come hang out, start your weekend the right way. Let's see who's in the club at 4.36 in the afternoon. Oh! Defense. Let's go. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. You got nowhere to hold up. Nowhere to fold up. Well? The person that's going to pay for this is my husband. Welcome to Earth. Wow, Will Smith. Who was the lady talking about her husband? I have no clue. I pulled it from the archives. Excellent. It might have been some something from The Bachelor. Probably. That's coming back soon. I'm excited. Party at the Graham household Monday uh -huh. nights. Yeah. We're going to bring that back. Okay, what do you got for me? Wake Forest wiping the floor with everybody in regionals. They're even better than advertised. But Josh, they're the number one team in the country. You heard me. 
Scouts are telling me this is the best college baseball team they've seen in years. So even though they're the number one team, they're better than other number one teams we've seen in past years. They don't have any weaknesses. There, there is no Achilles heel that you can point to. Outscoring opponents 48-7, to seven, that's the largest margin, like run margin for a regional weekend since this format started in 1999. 99, the first year of the format, the last time the overall number one seed won it all in Omaha. I won it bet against this Deacon team. Quote Scott Van Pelt this week, Wake Forest is a problem. The shocking PGA Tour Live Golf merger. Hmm. A lot of different ways you can hit this. A betrayal by Jay Monahan. That's the PGA Tour commissioner. Frankly, Live Golf never was a big issue to me. Because I don't think many people, golf fans, really care. Oh, I still get to watch the PGA Tour events and... All the guys who are playing in Live are also probably going to play in these majors, or many of them. Okay, cool. But it matters a lot to the golfers. It matters a lot to Roy McIlroy, who stood up for something on principle and missed out on $700, $800 million, was encouraged to do that by Jay Monahan on principles because he didn't want them to take money from the Saudis. And then he up and took money from the Saudis. That's what Jay Monahan did. So... It's a betrayal by Jay Monahan, who it wouldn't surprise me if he's out of a job because of the way he stirred up players and what exactly transpired, the way he went about doing this uh, based on this deal. Lionel Messi heading to the MLS, coming to Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami, what a stupid that name that is, but we'll put that on the side by now. The MLS's most significant signing. I disagree with Will Pelagic, voice of Charlotte FC on this. I think it's more significant than Beckham. Now, would any of this happen if Beckham didn't sign in 2007? Maybe. But no one ever considered Beckham to be the greatest of his generation, let alone the greatest player ever. Messi is that. Some will say, oh, well, he's older. He won the World Cup six months ago and had multiple goals in that World Cup, if memory serves. That World Cup final, that is. He... He's the biggest name in the world. He might be the best player in the world. Might be the best player ever. And he's playing in MLS. That's a huge deal. And I don't know if U.S. soccer or the MLS would have been capable of doing something like that 10, 15 years ago. So the fact that that happens now, massive for everybody, including here in North Carolina with Charlotte. The J.C. Horn setback. This should be... This is a wake-up call. Wake-up's one word. Aha. It's not... It is a good sign that he's not going to miss training camp. It's not going to require surgery. It's not the same foot that he broke in Houston a few years ago, his rookie year. But when you get past J.C. Horn, you realize, well, Dante Jackson's up next, and he's coming off an ACL. C.J. Henderson was banged up much of last year, and even when he does play, is a bit inconsistent. Keith Taylor's been sitting down, sitting out OTA practices, dealing with something. And then it's, what, Stanley Thomas Oliver? Not great. You probably need to add somebody, some depth at corner. I don't think you do it via trade. You find somebody via waivers, the way that they picked up Rasul Douglas right before the season started a few years ago. Maybe you go to the scrap heap right now in free agency. Did you know that Marcus Peters right now is a free agent? Did you know 
that you know Eli Apple used to be a Panther is there. Would I feel great if Eli Apple was one of my top two corners? No, but you're not asking him to be that. I think the Panthers need to be proactive and add something there. And lastly, I can't wait for this one. The introduction of Apple Vision Pro. I thought you were going to go in a different direction here. I thought it was going to be aliens for sure. Um, I can do that too. Apple Vision Pro will fail. It's going to fail. Nobody wants to wear ski goggles on their face that costs $3,500. Now, I, I'm ready for this clip to be you know, pulled and taken 15 years from now when I'm dead wrong. I'm sure you could find someone saying, uh, why would I want the iPad, iPod people to create a phone, right? I just don't think people are going to want to wear screens on their faces. And we have evidence of this. Remember the Google Glass? Oh, yeah, I got these glasses that allow for me to look at things. I think after COVID, people want fewer screens. I think they want more experiences. I don't think they want to close themselves off from the world. And I think that's why Metaverse hasn't been this huge success for Facebook that they thought it was going to be. I think people misread things post-pandemic. Uh, I don't think this is going to be successful. I really don't. They look stupid. If I see anybody walking around wearing one of these, wearing like a, a ski goggles around, I'm not going to think, wow, look at this guy, trendy. I'm going to think, look at this idiot who shelled out $3,500 to shut out the rest of the world, wear a screen attached to his face. Anywho, it's Friday. One more dance break. See you news in the club here on Keep It Simple. It's just hard until you knock that door down, but I tell you what, we're, we're beating the shit out of it. Oh, I've been waiting for this. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fans, look at the transfer portal like I once looked at the old Sears Christmas catalog. Let's go to the sidelines, Tony Haynes. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Cliff Goblin sad in the club. He's beating up that door. If we're being honest, if someone is in the club at 4.43 in the afternoon, uh-huh. probably you do have some sads. Exactly. There are some sads in there, so that might be realistic. A nice depiction.